From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 247, and today I'm joined by actor Paul Sun Young Lee, who you know from Kim's Convenience as well as The Mandalorian, and also my son Ephraim, who you know from, you know, this podcast. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. So we're sitting down to watch Miami Connection? Is that the name of it? Yes. Miami uh, Connection. I'm Jeremy. I, have, I literally have not, not only have I not seen this film, I just found out about it last night because of Paul. Yeah. Uh, and I'm here with... Paul Sun Young Lee, <laughs> I am an actor and uh, uh, a geek at heart and a nerd. I love movies. I love collecting toys. I love unboxing toys. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm so happy to be on this podcast yet again. I'm, I'm so glad you trust me to come back time and oh, time again, Jeremy. I get excited every time you're coming. Out to, uh, tonight was time I'm like, I get to see my friend Paul tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you, you, we went back and forth on a couple of different titles and you settled on this one. So what made you pick this one? You know, uh, you just learned about this movie last night. Uh, I learned about this movie last week. Okay. And, uh, it was through a mutual friends. I'm out here in Vancouver. I'm shooting Avatar The Last Airbender. And, uh, it's kind of isolating because I'm out here on my own. I'm from Toronto. I'm out West. And I've met a couple of really, really cool friends. Uh, and we've become very, very close. And we have like a nerd's night out. It's generally at my place. We just hang out. We play board games. Nice. And talk about the toy industry. We talk about pop culture. And one of my, uh, new close friends, his name is Brandon. His family owns BC DeLoreans. It's a car company. Uh, out in Chilliwack, and they have over 20 movie picture cars. So oh. when I say that, I mean like they have uh, a screen-accurate DeLorean time machine. They've got the Ecto-1. They have Kit from Knight Rider. They have the the uh, Ventura van from the A-Team. They have Burt Reynolds' Bandit. Uh, they've got the Mirthmobile. They have, like, it's it's... Honestly, if you are a car nut or a movie nut, you will love this place. So Brandon does deep dives into fandom and he doesn't just sort of, Oh, you know, uh, go here. He goes hard. And, um, he brought up this movie, uh, called Miami connection and I'd never heard of it before. And he was, he was going on and on about how it was his favorite movie of all time. And uh, that's a, that's a hard stroke. It is. Yeah. And so he pushes all in and Brandon, he, he, he really does, like I said before, the deep dives. He loves the obscure sort of cult movies as well. And he is kind of my Sherpa in terms of navigating all these cult classics. And they're, they're, it's, been, it's been a virtual gold mine. So Miami Connection came up. He showed me the trailer for it. I lost my mind over it because, you know, you've got 
a ninja motorcycle gang that is dealing cocaine in the streets of not even Miami. That's the other beautiful thing. It's called Miami Connection, but it's set in Orlando. So just just trying to get your head around that. It's this, and of course, it is. It was it was written, co-written, directed, and backed by Y.K. Kim, who is a grand master at taekwondo. That's a, a Korean martial art. They go and he's built this empire since then. But he wrote, directed, and stars in this movie. Just to give you an idea of what you're going to be in for, Jeremy. Uh, you saw the trailer, right? I've not, I've watched nothing. Oh, you haven't even seen the trailer yet. Yeah. Oh so God. all this stuff you said is a bit of a spoiler, but that's okay. Yeah, sorry. Because I, I decided Edith. I'm like I don't know anything about it. I'm gonna <laughs> just stay as I love it when that happens because it's so rare that I can yeah. go into a movie completely blind. Like all I know is that it's a martial arts movie. I assume it's it's. I know it takes place in the states, but is it like Hong Kong action no, no, this, or no? This is this is all. It, it's indescribable. Okay. You honestly have to watch it. I don't want to spoil it anymore. I thought you'd seen the trailer. No. Um, but I, I, everything I told you right now is it's all contained in the trailer. Oh, I'm not worried um, about that. That's okay. Yeah. I, mean, so I just wanted to go in as cold as gonna, possible. And I want to hear your reactions as a filmmaker, as a crafted filmmaker and writer and director and <laughs> as an accomplished uh, <laughs> artist in all of those. I, I need to hear your your response to this movie now it was it was released in ninth it was made in 1986 they tried to release it in 1987 uh there is a history behind it uh it it's the deeper you go into it the more fascinating it is yeah um and we'll talk about this after you've seen it uh but you you are i mean honestly did you watch uh, have you seen the whole thing i i did i have oh so you watched so this is your second viewing this is my second viewing okay and it's one of these movies where you kind of have to watch it again and again and again, um, even though you kind of don't want to. In that sense, <laughs> yeah. There's a, there, You're I'm selling sorry. it in so many different ways. <laughs> I know it's it's just you know it is. We'll talk about it afterwards, and you'll see. And we'll have, I think, probably one of those the, the funniest conversations uh, <laughs> because it's it's one of these movies that is it is that uh, off the like it is. There's there are moments. I'm just like, what the hell just happened? I can't wait. Why did that happen? Right, I'm going to convince. My son was on the fence about whether he's going to watch or not. I'm going to make him watch. <laughs> oh, I'd, love to, I'd love to hear his response. I don't know if he'd last. Honestly, he might just sit riveted or he might go, I'm out and just walk away. He, he can I, get into some weird shit if he's in the right mood. Okay. We'll find okay. out. Okay. Okay. So this is I, I I'm I'm confused. <laughs> I'm baffled. I think this is a great time to jump out and we'll come right back. All right, we'll see you in an hour and a half. <laughs> Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Um yeah, I so Ephraim has joined us. Um he says it's his new favorite movie. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know where to start. Right? You have, you have yeah. two pages of notes. I have two pages of notes and I wrote small. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even oh, was just, just going to join us for a little bit. But um, yeah, yeah. What, like, I, wow, 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 wow. Like, it's just, <laughs> I, 
Like we were talking because Ephraim was Ephraim was looking up the Rotten Tomatoes reviews and and like yeah. and, and, and pointed out like an asshole. He's like, "Hey, this is rated higher than one of your movies." I was like, "Thanks, thanks for that." <laughs> I I think that, I think some of those reviews are ironic. I'd like to point out. <laughs> yeah, um, it's rich. It's rich wow. discussion. Yeah, because Ephraim was like, "How like you couldn't intentionally make a movie that bad, could you?" I'm like, "No." You, like, the only way you make that movie is just like with blind ignorance. Yeah, there's um, you know, I, I like I said, there's a lot of heart and a lot of passion poured into this film. Oh yes, um, but in terms of the craft of filmmaking, uh, performances, and writing, you know, so, there, there there's certain deficiencies that you just cannot make up. No. So before we get into this, if you love a bet, if you haven't watched this movie for some reason and are listening to a podcast, like Paul, Paul directed me, it is free on YouTube. Um, yeah. You can watch a clip. So please stop, watch it and come back because you will enjoy what is about to follow. This is going to be a five hour conversation and we're just going to crack the surface. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And first of all, the, the YouTube clip starts with like, kind of like an infomercial on him, yeah. which yeah. really helps set the stage help set the stage. One of his books is called winning is a choice. <laughs> uh, and also another one is called moral fitness. I don't know what that means. No, that's the same book. Oh, it's the same book. Yeah. It's a really long title. Ephraim looked it up. You can buy, you can buy the hardcover on $34 on Amazon. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a video out there. It's a vice uh, from vice and um, a guy that was actually involved with the, the Alamo draft house in terms of like helping to discover this movie and getting word out. He reached out and said, Hey, you know, I, I need to meet you. We need to chat about your experiences on this. And so it's, it, I think you can look it up. It's, I think it's, it's, it's on YouTube as well. Uh, and he goes out to, he goes out and visits YK Kim and uh, he's built this empire. Like he has this and you see him just before He's about to go out and give one of his motivational speeches. And it's like watching, you know, there's that episode of The Office where they go, they go to this, this, it, it's this big sort of convention and you go out and they play that, the, the Tina Turner music and everybody's supposed to be clapping their hands and just going crazy. It's like that, except they are all 100% into it. And they're all chapping, they're chanting his name. And it's not like it's a huge room. It's like... It's like a, a medium to large size boardroom, and he goes in there, oh, so and sad. he's like, "Oh man, it's 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 kind of like I'm sitting there when I was watching it, going, is this for real? Like, are they, have they planted everybody? But it's like you know, there's a few I... people who are like it, but they're all chanting his name, and this is like in the 2000s. This isn't like 1990 something or whatever. This is like 2000, and uh, I would say it's beyond 2009. So I want to believe they're they're real, but just this movie makes me think they're all plants. Like this movie is a giant exercise in someone paying people to hang out with him and make a movie, you know? <laughs> and I say that with as much love as I can, because like you said, the passion is there. Clearly this guy, just, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. clearly this guy just wanted to become like the Korean Jackie Chan, you know? Well, <laughs> he was convinced. So the, the um, what's his name? The, the guy that, uh, co-wrote it and directed it. His name is Wu Sang Park. Yeah. 
or Richard, he had a different name. Yeah, his North American name is Richard. His North American name in there. But he met him and was like, and if you look at his IMDb, he's got a string of like B movies from the 80s, a lot of which have the title Ninja in it. Uh, You can just see from the titles, they're all martial arts based. And so he met YK Kim and was like, no, we got to get you on. Like, you are amazing. You are, we got to get you on. We got to put you on camera. Nice. Yeah. And so, and and if you listen to Waika Kim's, his, his interviews at the time, because this movie broke him. Like, it bankrupted him. And Not almost, surprising. Yeah. And uh, like within the first, he says, I think in an interview, within the first 10 days, they'd run out of money. And he said, I had no idea. It was so expensive. What was the uh, shoot? How long is the shoot? How long is the shoot? I have have no idea. 11 days. Yeah. (laughs) But he had a mortgage and he had built like a martial arts empire because he had a number of uh, Taekwondo studios that were, and they were very prosperous, but he had to mortgage his home, all of his businesses, like everything. Nobody is telling him to, but they don't, not for this. No, everybody was telling him to stop. And he was like, no, I'm going to keep doing it. Um, Yeah. He's very, very clear about that. Um, oh. Yeah. So, you know, and then he make this movie, and he he tries to sell it to distributors, and of course, all the distributors are like, "This is trash. You need to throw this out." And so, what he does instead, if I'm reading this correctly, he 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 distributes it himself. They As you do, it, yeah, to eight <laughs> movie theaters, and of course, crashes and burns. And then after that, he's just like. They, for him, that was a big moment of of sort of reckoning where he was just like, I got to bury this. It's done. And he's just going to move on and rebuild and focus on what he knows he can do. And so he rebuilds his empire. Like he gets it up and it is this, this huge thing again. Um, and then a couple of dudes at the Alf house, they uncover a 35 millimeter print on eBay and they don't know what the movie's about. They have no idea. So they buy it. And they watch it and they're like, this is the greatest movie ever made. And they put it on and they show it at the Alamo Draft House. God love Austin, Texas and the Alamo Draft House for doing that. And of course, it's like one of those midnight screenings. And like you said, you could not make a movie that bad on purpose. And people loved it. And they kept going and going and going. And then finally, they, they hunted him down and said, we need to release your movie. We'd love to release your movie, distribute it because we think it's fantastic. This is 25 years later. And his response, he hangs up because he thinks someone's pranking him. Right. So they, they call him a number of times and finally they convince him to come out and say, look, look, you've got to do one of our midnight showings. And in fact, we're going to get you and your entire cast to sing, like lip sync the song again in front of everybody at a midnight showing. And they went and they had a blast and the crowd lost their minds. And then, yeah, so they, they redistributed the movie. and Redistributed? Like the, oh, you mean distributed it for the first time? Right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, we'll, we'll say that. We'll say that. They gave it a proper distribution. There you go. Uh, and in the, the, the age of DVD video and streaming stuff, I mean, it found life as a cult hit. And it was one of those, it won awards for being like the best of the worst kind of movies because it is something undeniably charismatic yeah and karmic as well yeah about this the the entire process uh how it found an audience 20 years later 
and got yeah. the kind of uh, publicity and notoriety that he couldn't buy back in 1987. But if you look back at it too, I mean, it's so 80s. Like, I mean, it starts, the beginning of the movie, you're like, this is like an episode of Miami Vice. Yeah. This is like, you know, with the cocaine dealers he, and how it's lit and the way that guy tests the cocaine is like oh he's just, it's like it's like a fun dip <laughs> yeah he dips his finger down <laughs> straight down like a fun it's dip a, it's not like a little bit on his no, teeth and, and he sucks it and he goes for another like yeah. and he goes for a second <laughs> right and he's looking around like hey does anybody else want any of this like it's like that's it's crazy not you... <laughs> no but then What's you see all checking for when you see the ninja gang roll in on their motorbikes, it's like they're like fully dressed up as, you know, the 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 stereotypical caricature ninja. Yeah. Uh, and they're rolling in on motorbikes. Yeah. <laughs> minus minus the stealth, which is right? the core trait of ninjas. That's what kills me. They just roll in. Here comes the ninja biker gang to steal the cocaine. And then in, in a moment of sheer genius, it's like they show them scurrying through the the foliage and you see they're doing rolls they're literally doing uh, barrel rolls through the and it, it's just like this this is this is how i used to play when i was a kid like i'm a ninja and yeah. you do unnecessary rolls the entire time there was zero was ninja consultants on this movie <laughs> or they just didn't listen to them yeah. um that's not how we we roll and but even when right. they're like practicing outside there i guess it's not a dojo what's the name for it in uh it's it's a gym, man. That's a full out like go gym. <laughs> you know, like like they're, they're, they have that little wooden boardwalk that they're just like curling. Oh. Like, for who? Yeah. Like that they're practicing. The they're yeah, practicing the their stealth skills after they roll in on their fucking motorcycles. <laughs> they're hogs. I just even, so even before we lose Ephraim, what what you gotta give us your thoughts, but you he couldn't stop laughing. He, yeah. I, I wish we were recording our conversation because it was a nonstop roast from him. Yeah. What did you? Uh, they turned into murderers at the end. They yeah, flat out murderers at the end. Like the one guy, I can't remember. It was just a sea of white guy names. Like there was, a, like you look at the, the Jim, John, Bob. What it just didn't Jeff. Like, they just um, Jeff, Jeff. I called him Beard for most of the movie. The oh, uh, I called. Yeah, I call. I called him. Uh, uh, what's that? Uh, Gay Chuck Norris. Oh, there we go. Nice. Because Even he was. That's if if yeah. Chuck Norris was was. You know, and and like there was some weird vibes happening between him and his sister too. Yeah, like we had some serious like House of Lannister stuff. We so, yeah, so we cool. we were upset because Ephraim predicted that. What was your prediction for Beard's character? Jeff yeah. is technically his name for those uh, keeping score. Uh, but you you want you predicted that he was it would. Gonna, uh, uh... You thought he was going to join their band. Oh, I band. thought you you definitely thought there was going to be a fight at the airport. And I was like, I'm doubling down and saying he's going to join the band by the end. And he's oh going to play tambourine. <laughs> that would have been brilliant. That's the whole reason he's upset is because he wanted to be part of the band. Yeah. And then they well, make him a part. Yeah, that was my hope. I wanted him to be in the sequel. <laughs> he died. <laughs> I, I was expecting someone to rip that earring out of his ear. I was I was I was disappointed that didn't happen. His They're, wardrobe. His his he had the most inconsistent wardrobe in the right? entire movie, and then yeah. like, at one point he's wearing a hat from like some kind of a, a like a, a, a Colorado college, like Colorado like a club no, board school, like a board oh, school. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The outward bound, the, <laughs> the bounding sort of yeah. 
What? Very like, odd. Whoever was in charge of costumes, there's also people wearing like Coca-Cola logos and Adidas. Like, clearly, they never cleared any of this shit. Yeah. Like nobody had any idea what E&O insurance was. Well, <laughs> and, and I think clearly uh, everybody just brought their own wardrobe. Clearly. And one set. One set. Yeah. And they shot the fights in chronological <laughs> order because if you got cut, that had to stay for the rest of it. <laughs> right. Right. Um, uh, it was, um, and, and you know, you got to mention, you have to mention the actual Dragon Sound band. That was... When I, like, when, when I first saw them, I'm like, they're in their geese on stage? Yeah, I know. First, first, <laughs> first, and then they were shirtless, and none of the instruments were plugged in. Did you notice none of the yeah, guitars yeah. had oh. anything plugged into them? Obviously, uh, none of them were playing. Not only any that, is, 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 our, our, is our hero of the movie, he is, he is clearly not playing the same song that they're playing right. on band. <laughs> His fingers are nowhere near the chords that he's supposed to be playing. No, no, the, it was amazing. Just, well, because at first, that's how you intru- we learn about the band, right? Is through that. He's like, oh, there's, a, I'm like, there's a, a, a karate, like a taekwondo band? Is there, yeah. what is, okay. And the lyrics are cool. The but then, but at that point, I'm like, are they the heroes? <laughs> right. Like, because at first you're like, oh, the ninjas must be the heroes. Like, no, they're just flat out stealing the coke. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then they get chastised for leaving the money behind. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the money? Where is the money? <laughs> it just, oh, man. But And that and then, score in the opening scene is just on this relentless loop. It's playing like two bars over and over again, nonstop. It, it, well, it, it was very, it's very kind of like the John Carpenter school of, yeah. of uh, themes. Cause I, so that was, it was rolling. So I was, I was like, okay, I'm going to buy this. But like just some of the fight choreo, it reminded me of Bowfinger. You know, at the end when it's like the Bowfinger productions and it's like, Eddie Murphy's character, who's like deathly scared of doing any sort of fight. He's like going, ah, sort of doing that. And everybody's definitely pausing to take that hit, right? Yeah. So there's so much of that that just happened. It was like, I'm going to cut you. Oh, I got oh, kicked man. in the face. Right? This like is that. such a Bowfinger production. You have to watch that movie. It's a fantastic yeah. movie. Uh, oh, my God. That's a great reference. Where's the money? Just... The the, the lyric I just even got one commenting on this others having the band I'm like you got to stop because I got to listen to these lyrics the <laughs> lyrics of the song that you're talking about, we're on top because we play to win just like, and later on there's a reference like I got to write another Taekwondo song yes because <laughs> that's a genre of music right. well no. when when they're there and he's like hey what do you think of this and it's like clearly <laughs> the man has no idea he does not know oh, how to yeah. read sheet music. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, Jim, Jim's gonna love this part. Exactly. I think, didn't think Jim can handle this. Oh my god. Well, and it's 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 dialogue like that which makes me like. I mean, I totally believe this is all improvised. There's no. They script. just wrote. Yeah, they wrote the skeleton of Mark walks around the house interacting with his brothers uh, to make sure they're okay, and it's just like even all this stuff when they're when they're at the restaurant. Uh, and they 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 they, they help the restaurant after he's already kicked the crap out of those guys that tried to steal from him. And you come in, they're all like, "Yeah, man, no, no," and they're all standing there waiting to say their lines, and they're all saying like, "Oh, yeah, no, but you did that kick," and it's, none of the dialogue makes sense, and they're all just going, just improvising. There are so yeah. many scenes in this movie. You're like, why was that scene in this movie? The, the whole beach scene where they have oh like the, bikini, the bikini fight. 
Where they, the guy just fall, then he fall, then he just he starts falls, slapping them around. Like, oh, I fall in, and they're half angry, half get out of here, get out of here. Well, it was just clear because clearly at some point someone's like, "Hey, we need some some women, some sexy women in this movie," and the yeah. most unsexual breasts and use of breasts that you oh. could use in a movie. It's like, oh, there is just so awkward and weird. You know why? Because they're real. They were, they oh, were yeah. kind of like it, it's, it's like that's what you would see at a beach. But it was like the biker gang, that whole scene in that bar. And those were act, those were real bikers that they paid in beer, basically. And so it's them. And it's just like, this adds character and production value. And you look and you go, yeah, that looks like a real biker gang. But then you, you can see it get kind of weird, like as the alcohol started to fuel them. And some of the girls were like, I'm going to get on the film. And they like lift up their tops. And then the actors are kind of like, like the leader of the gang. Uh, was kind of like, hey, yeah, come over here, come over here, you'll be my bestie, and then you'll you'll make it into the final cut, baby. Like that's kind of how it felt. Like that vibe was just so odd. Yeah. Um, and that one guy, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick the cigarette up my nose, and that'll get it'll make it into the movie. That was a nail. A nail. a nail. That guy had a, it was a nail that he stuck in because obviously there's nothing there. So yeah, cocaine has clearly rotted yes. away. There's yes. a, yeah, that's not the first time that guy's done that trick. You're right. No. <laughs> But it's like, I'm going to get into a movie. Let's go. Um, uh, just go, The ADR. Oh, just oh my God. I know. So much ADR. Right? And none of it matches up. And it sound, it's so clear that it's ADR. <laughs> like Mark going, I don't want to fight. It's just all, you know, I don't want any trouble. And it's like, wow, they, they tried to clean it up as best they could. And they just dropped it down there. Like the first time the old band comes and confronts them. Yeah. <laughs> and it took me it be so let's get this first of all leading up to that like we meet we meet what's his name i keep on calling him stretch the really tall guy who's dating john john, john. of course john jim fucking every white name mark yeah. all the just the sea of white all the bible Jeff. guy there's no luke where the hell was luke in this they missed exactly. the, the one character from the bible so just well, that, the weirdest like wink flirting when they're in the yeah. computer lab oh my god but even yeah. like the dialogue scene coming out, it was just like Ephraim's like, oh my God, like, did they not have a microphone? Like, it, you can't hear the, what they're doing. Like, your brother is like, wow. Just, but then you, so let's just, let's just clarify the story here. Yeah. So it, it opens with a very exciting um, cocaine fight scene between um, samurai, samurai ninjas, samurai yeah. biker ninjas, um, and clearly like cocaine 80s men with machine yeah. guns. So we open the movie with that. We never return to cocaine ever, except for a, a random um, off off the cuff mark about one of the guys going. Those are the guys that do the cocaine all the time. I don't like that. Um, yeah. And then the rest of the movie is about a rivalry between two bands, two bands that are also heavily into martial arts. The only so clearly it's a very specific niche that was in Florida at the time. And there's only two bands that do both martial arts and, <laughs> and music and they could not have, and then so they couldn't have it. So they end up killing each other. But that's what it's about. It's a, yeah. So they end up murdering, flat out murdering each other in the middle of a swamp because, <laughs> because but they're none fighting. Of the guys, yeah. But none of the guys in the good guy band actually really, nobody died in the good guy band, like dragon sound. They all survived. Couple got hurt. Yeah. True enough. Right. Like Jim with the, with the slash. But, oh, yeah. And in the original cut, apparently he died. He died in the original cut. And then distributors, even though they didn't buy the movie and said it was trash, they said, you know, it's a little dark. You might want to change this. That'll fix it. Yeah. And so 
that whole fight sequence against the white ninja, that was a reshoot. That was added in as well. But the original filmmaker, like the guy, the, the director, he went back to Korea. And so YK Kim, he they re, he got a guy to rewrite the ending and they reshot that whole sequence so that Jim survives and he meets his dad uh, and they have that fight. And his dad, who obviously has... It's just a, who's younger than Mark. I assumed it was the same actor. White stuff. I assumed it was the same <laughs> actor that, was play, that played Jim for a second. I'm like, I think they just painted his name. Yeah, they're definitely related. Yeah, they're definitely related. Um, but it, oh my god, yeah, like, it's just some it, of the dialogue, like getting back to that whole with Jane and and John. Her name is Jane, um, and she's talking like she's talking about. Oh, it's my brother. It's weird. I don't know. I just kind of don't like him. And it's, there's no explanation for it. Like the dialogue is just like, he's putting you through school. He, I, I kind of felt for Jeff for a moment. Right. Because he's basically, I want you to stay in school. Don't date like band guys because they're, they're kind of sketchy. And, and like just on that surface level, you kind of go, well, I kind of get it. Yeah. And also Jeff deals in cocaine and <laughs> That's true. But to be fair, I mean, clearly Dragon Sound stole the gig from them. Yes. I, I don't know that Dragon Sound are the heroes of this movie. I'm just going to throw that out there. Well, I'm not convinced. I, you know, to be fair, it was the owner because it had that whole scene where the owner was the one well, who fair. hired Dragon Sound because uh, as a leader of the other band and the guy who had to end up having a, a bandage over his head because he got his ass kicked. Yeah, was like, three days after, and it still had the yeah. blood wound. They're, they're playing, they're playing, they're playing songs for kids, man. Songs. He's like, yeah, I want older music, and it was just this weird sort of. He was so they were so angry that they lost their gig that they confronted the owner and tried to beat the crap, and then the owner beat the crap out of all of them. Yeah, which made me kind of go, well, that's a twist because usually yeah. it's they beat the crap out of the owner. The owner says, I can't hire you guys like Dragon Sound because. And then dragging that, and that's how it would begin. But the owner was fine with it. And so they go, okay, we couldn't intimidate him. We're going to intimidate Dragon Sound. And then they get their asses handed to them again. And, again. and so it's like this band. So then they hook up with the ninja, with the ninja clan saying, hey, uh, you know, uh, they join up with Jeff's goons, who's affiliated with the ninjas, said, hey, no, we lost our gig. If you get rid of them, we will give you all the money that we make playing at this club which doesn't make any sense to no. either so why are you why do you want it then just because you just love yeah. playing so much i think that's got to be it like the I mean, simplest and, answer is yeah and because in the next i mean dragon has already talked about incorporating like their board kicks into the next set so we don't want to miss out on that. <laughs> can, can we talk about some of their antics too they had that whole sequence where yk kim had Jim's nose between his toes. That was my favorite like move of the whole movie. But yeah, and it's like, and that's apparently that's that's a shtick or that's a, uh, a thing that YK Kim actually does in his taekwondo demonstrations. Is he'll grab one of his students with his toes uh, by the nose and whip him around in the circle. So that was for all the fans. That I well yeah I guess that's 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 inside baseball like yeah, that oh, is deep deep. <laughs> <laughs> the deep gut. But I just thought you're barefooted, standing on a grungy stage, and your buddy puts his foot on your mouth, basically to grab your nose. That's a close group. 
Dragon sounds hardcore, man. Well, they all lived together. They were all orphans. They were like, they were were the... Except for Jim. They were, whatever, Peter Pan, the Lost Boys? (laughs) Yeah, they're the Lost Boys. Um, But I I want to mention something, that whole sequence where he's practicing. Oh, yeah, I was about to say that. Yeah. I mean, I will say, here's the thing. The most sophisticated thing in the movie is when they bring back that whole knife move at the end that they set up in that sequence. That shocked me that there was a setup to something in this movie that paid off later. I was like, that was a, a level of sophistication I was not expecting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, oh my God. It's like, honestly, it's like if I was eight or nine years old and they said, make a movie, go. Yeah. That's what I would come up with, something like that. And I would go this and then this would happen. And then they find out that they're brothers, like, like his dad is still alive. And they're, they're trying, like that whole scene where Jim, he gets that letter from Washington. And like, where is this going? Oh, yeah. Where is this going? Crying. Oh, my God. And the he, acting. He cries for so long. And it, there's no break. And I was like, that, this poor actor. Well, not only that, you see the guys in the background. They're like, <laughs> like Jim is just like, he's hunched over and he's gotten as small as you'll ever see him in the movie. And everybody else just completely disconnects with him to give him his acting moment. Right. And they're like, nobody's looking at him. Nobody's trying to, there's no empathy. They're all like, this is his moment. I'm going to shut down. Yeah. It's so intense. Yeah. And then I I was confused because he ripped up the letter and was like, so is his dad dead? Yeah. And the whole thing is they don't know where he is. And, and mentioned something about his dad being in Korea. And so I thought to do you, are you adopted? Are you confused by your lineage? Because clearly you're not Korean. You may be <laughs> half. He's, he's half Korean. Well, his, his mom was Korean. Korean. Okay. So that's why he's in the boy band. Okay, that's why he's in the boy band. <laughs> and then, but then, and literally, I think it was like right before the second letter comes. I was, I was, oh, yeah. from, I was like, hey, remember how half an hour ago there was a really, really emotional scene with Jim in the letter? I'm like, I feel like they just kind of lost that thread, but then they picked it back up. Uh, yeah. And then, like, just the way they pick him up and they hoist him up and they yeah. buy him a suit. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's love. I mean, but you look at that and you go, oh, my God, that is like, because he's like, hey, how much money do you have left? Okay. Oh, I've got $20. I have $60. I got $50. Well, let's find the best place in town to get a suit. Like, it's just so heart achingly simple. In that there's a there's a sadness to it too because I feel like I'm like oh this is this this guy doesn't know what it's like to have actual friends like that's this is not something that happens. <laughs> this, <laughs> <laughs> they spent all the budget on the suit. It, it's, and then they yeah, Yo, but it it is in Korea. That's kind of the that was kind of the uh, okay. It's like our friend needs something. Let's all pull our money together and get him this thing because he's going to meet his dad. Yeah, right? we did that in college for like. Like pot and a case of beer. <laughs> Not. <laughs> oh, I mean, they, his suit gets ruined anyways, and, he, and that's all I can think is like, oh. But it's just a flesh wound. It's. <laughs> it's just a. It wasn't as deep as we thought it was going to be. It's just uh, he, he's fine. What about what about Jim getting slashed in the back? Right. Never referenced again. John, and then he gets yeah, John. He ripped. John rips off and he goes full friggin' Rambo. He's feral. He has blood dripping down like he bit someone. Right. And he's like chasing the ninjas, right? Like all of a sudden he runs into the one ninja that only has the, uh, the, 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 what is it called? The taunt, the, it's, it's like a, the baton nunchucks. that the cops carry. Can't remember oh, what they're called. Oh, not the nunchucks, but like the baton. Yeah. It's like, they've got the handle and then the, so he's going, clink, clink, oh, like the, b- billy stick, the billy stick, the billy stick. 
Yeah. And then he just sort of takes off, but Jim has lost his shit. There's no way. Here's the thing. But then in the next scene, he came back from it real quick. You mean John? Yeah. Yeah. John. Yeah. John lost. Yeah. Jim was the, Jim was the black character. Mark Mark was screaming at Jim. They just, yeah, Jim and Jim coming back from that was crazy. Can we talk about Jane for a second? Because Jane, so first of all, so we find out, I, so at one point, um, I, what's the name of the head of the, of the, um, ninjas? Oh, uh, it is, it starts with a Y, Yashito. Okay. So at some point, Jim, or, or John, sorry, God, all these white fucking J names, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff refers to him as his brother. Now they're, yeah. they're, they're talking colloquially, right? Like they're, they're not like, yeah. okay. Cause that's because Ethan was like, wait a minute, is Jane also his sister? Where's the... Like, is they did they share? Because, yeah. but also, like, but to that credit is like, were they like, did they share a parent? Like, how else do these people know each other? How else did the ninja clan get caught up with the band? The bands, the band war, a band, yeah. ri- this movie centers around a band rivalry. So, I, I, <laughs> I still can't fathom that. I never so, Jeff is dealing with Yoshito, and they have a very close business relationship, right? Because Yoshito basically he gets he steals the coke from the cocaine guys and the yep. money and he brings the cocaine to Jeff and Jeff is a distributor. Okay. That's, that's, he, he's the one that, but he operates out of Orlando. So even though this movie is called Miami connection, the only scene in the movie that is in Miami is when they steal the Coke. That's and okay. That's the, the connection. Rest, I'm okay with yeah, that. There you go. So the rest is in Orlando. And so what happens is um, Jeff is like, I don't want my sister in dragon sound. Those guys are, Bum, stay away. And she's like, I'm going to live my life. I don't care what you want. So the old band, they try to get their gig back. And so because they can't beat up the owner and they can't beat up the uh, the dragon sound, they go to Jeff and they say, we will give you all the money that we make playing this gig if you get rid of dragon sound. And so that's how Jeff's got his band of thugs who work out and and like is full of the weirdest characters um, my favorite crop top. Yeah, camo crop top. Right. And he had a tan line later on when he had the shirt was off. That guy was yep. my favorite. Yeah. But also, how much is this other band making of this gig that makes it worth Jeff's while? That's it can't be I, that much. But I think part of it is he just wants to get a rid of dragon sound because his sister's involved. Right. So I, I think there's a there's a thin, thin thread. Jane gets over Jeff's death real quick. So fast, right? <laughs> that, that when you're talking about like the most like clearly unscripted scenes, like you know, we just had to do it. It just had to be done. It's like, yeah, but it happened, and now it's over with. Now, and they start like they're weird making out again. Like those two kiss in the weirdest way. Uh, it's like them. I read a description. It's like them trying to pass a jawbreaker to each other without <laughs> biting it. That's how it looks like. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that that's that's pretty much it. Right, and she oh, just—it's like someone just—it's like they've never Andy. someone described kissing to them, and they had to try to reenact it from that. They've never seen a kiss in their lives, <laughs> and it's weird. So actually, she was dating one of the other guys uh, in uh, one of the other brothers. I can't remember. Which you know so was. much about this movie, Paul. You have drank the Kool Aid. <laughs> how can you not like it's really easy to slip down the rabbit hole because you see a movie and you're like, how does this movie get made? And then you just, you just, I mean, again, I only heard about this movie for the first time last week. That's all you've been doing is researching this movie. So yeah, it's like a slippery slope, man. I'm like, what is this? 
So buddies of mine, when I was in film school, uh, buddies, of mine, we were obsessed with like mystery science theater, 3000 and all those yeah. movies. So we'd watch those and just love, you'd love, we got to, I got to show them to you from sometime, but there was one called hotel Toro. No, it was called something else. Um, uh, I can't remember the hand. Oh, Manos hand of fate and uh, buddies of mine that I live with for the, our documentary class, they decided to do basically what you were talking about with the Alamo draft, how guys did where they tracked down all the people that were left and they right. went down to like Texas and they shot a, a documentary about the making of and the behind the scenes of, um, of this movie. And they ended up calling the documentary Hotel Toro. And then what was great about it, uh, just to give a shout out to my friends, uh, when they put out the mystery science theater, cause this was all on VHS though. When they actually released one DVD, they put it on the, the documentary on the disc as a bonus feature. Oh, that's great. That's but it, great. But it's cool. It's the same thing. It's like it's this guy that was a fertilizer salesman decided he can make a movie better than any movie, any Hollywood filmmaker. And so he like sold everything. And to the point where it's like they had this big giant premiere in this theater and they literally had one limo and they would just circle around the block and pick up more people on the other side and come back around and drop them off. Yeah. <laughs> but it reminds me of this, like this kind of idea. But it's like, but so much love and passion. You can just tell these people yeah. were just like, yeah just trying their best yeah, failing. and yeah. failing miserably, but, but and, trying. But I mean, it is, I mean, it's so in that way, it's so quintessentially eighties as well in terms of like, I've seen a lot of B 80, like B list eighties movies. And this one, I mean, I would challenge, go back and watch some of those professionally made B movies from the eighties. The number and you'd be like, just bad, like actually. that one biker scene this year, like how many bicycles like that's a huge gang like i guess they paid them all in beer like you said but still i'm like the production value of this movie itself yeah. is pretty impressive for what it is well they got they had unlimited access to any place in orlando they didn't need permits because the city of orlando they loved yk kim because I, I guess he must have had like a lot of dojos and, and schools there and so he was he was able to shoot anywhere. That scene with the cops when they go to break up the fight after everybody leaves. And these are kind of like the worst cops in the world because they pull in. They know exactly where they were. They pull their they guns out, out and there's nobody else even there. I know. <laughs> so those are real cops, apparently. And the one guy was so nervous. If you look at him, he's got his gun pointed at the, the other guy's got his gun up. The other one goes around and then he realizes, oh, and he holsters his weapon. But he had his gun pointed at his partner. But even then, it was like, oh, it must be gangs. Well, we got to get rid of gangs in South Florida anyways. Let's go. They don't look around. They don't do anything except do the scene, holster their guns, get back in the cars and drive. But those are real police officers. Your taxpayers' money, hard at work back in 1987. Um, <laughs> but that that's the level of love that they had for this production, that they could do that. So you have these sweeping shots of the freeway, driving through the beach, all this access, because, you know, if they didn't have any of that and it was just one little set, it would have been a lot. I mean, the movie wouldn't have looked nearly as good as it actually does. It doesn't have it wouldn't have the charm. But just like like I, how many of these scenes do you think were like they did the first take and they're just like, guys, we got it. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah. I, I would gather that it was probably you know what, though? I don't know. Maybe they were like, oh, no, we can do better. Let's, I think it might have been multiple takes for someone. They Kubrick did? Like some of this other 76 yeah. take? And that's the best they got? Yeah. 
like Jim, like that Jim scene. I think when he Jim! finds out, Jim, <laughs> when he's like, first of all, Jim's like death scream is so. Whoa, <laughs> people are sleeping upstairs here from. <laughs> oh no, it's fantastic. Um, the the uh, the kidnapping scene too. Like the, <laughs> Like, oh. <laughs> it was like this guy like they just i mean he's like this is a scene where i get kidnapped so i'm not going to put up a fight he also the restaurant's the other way he walks towards the back yeah. of the car right there's no there's no logic to and you can tell clearly as they pull up it's pouring rain and they're in the convertible and they get out to go into the pizza but even the scene before where they all pile into the into the land cruise the open top and YK Kim is like standing there and I'm thinking, okay, so is he going to get like, something's going to happen. Yeah. But he's like, and he's like such a Korean dad at that moment. He's like, okay, who wants a pizza? Okay. Yeah. Best pizza. And he throws his books in. Let's go. And he jumps in. He's like, and then you hear the dialogue. Like, yeah. What do you want to drink? And it's like, this is so improvised. He's the, the hype man. He's the, he's yeah, the game's hype man. Like, and that's the other thing. Because they're, they're all in university. They're all going to that school, apparently. But they were all like... Ephraim you know, was convinced that they were carrying his book. Like one of his books that he'd written. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but they, so then they kidnap him. But then it's like, all of a sudden, there's no other... We follow the kidnappers all the way up to like this weird... Whatever that set is that they're <laughs> hanging out at. That you hear At one point, we heard a train. And I'm like, oh, shit. Are you going to fucking... Run him over, but the, the train never plays into it. It was misdirection. Yeah. But then, like, we never cut back to um, Dragon Sound, and all of a sudden they're there. It's like, how did they know they were how here? Did they know exactly that was the thing. But so it, the movie it, could happen. They, they know. They just know where he's. They're being held, right? But there's because almost like there's a scene missing because they make a reference at some point. There's like, there's a, if those guys don't get here soon, we're just gonna. I'll just go up there and kill myself. So clearly there was a scene missing where they kind of like told him, Hey, come here by this time or your buddy is going to get run over by a train. They forgot to shoot it or they're like, Oh, let me fight. We'll just, we'll fix it in post. Uh, but Jane goes and she's like, it's such a weird scene with those three heavies. And she's like, is he in there? And like, Oh, and they're trying to make fun of her or something. Uh, and she goes into the club after and she's looking for him and he's obviously not there. And she's like, Oh, and she walks back and they're all like, hey, 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 hey. the one guy was trying to tell a joke, which made no sense to me. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell was the point of that? Say, oh, I guess it must have been they suspect it was like, who else is it going to be, first of all? But then she, you know, that's that's their searching for him. And maybe. Oh, right. Going, oh, he's not there. So he must be at that derelict oil rig. This random they, other location we've never been to before. Because so that's what these and guys yeah, hang out. Mark flat out, flat out murders a guy too because he hits him with his, first of all, his wooden stick, which cuts the guy's neck. Yeah, that's called stabbing. When you, when you hit yeah. someone with a knife, it's called stabbing. And if he, <laughs> the thing, it's like, it's a wooden, dull, it's a piece of wood. It's not even sharp. So I, it was weird. And then <laughs> really the long thing. splinter. <laughs> the guy with the, 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 the two, um, the two metal uh, poles with the spike sticking, the most impractical. Where do those come from? Weapons. He just had those? What are they? Like, what the hell? Yeah, they must eat them. It's like Negan's baseball bat, but like times a million. And way more impractical. 
Because at least Negan's baseball bat, you could swing it. Like these things are like, I, I you're going to do more damage to yourself. And yeah. he was like double fist, like he's got like tools and going, uh, 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 going for. And how does he die? Jeff steps off the end of the platform. So anticlimactic. His, his death was a punk death. That's like Boba Fett flying into the side of the sail barge and then dumping into the into the sarlacc and then, I mean it was that's all they needed. It was when they showed Jeff's body to go. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah, I guess he's dead. Right. It was well, so because really yeah. just screen time. Like he was played up as like the second in command, but I'm like he was kind of the big bad for most of the movie. And yeah, like Jeff, because Yoshiko was his gang was. I mean, those were the. The guys didn't reserve. I mean, that bar but scene too. Jeff deserved where, where a he, better death. Yeah, he deserved a better death, and it was just like it. Them try. I mean, honestly, the the storyline was just so. I mean, they Sorry, tried the, the to what? <laughs> what did you call the this? Storyline. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the um. The golden. But yeah, like you said, that with the way Mark, the Mark, Mark, when Mark creates his first murder that we see, but yes. like that last sequence is just straight up murder nonstop. Like what? Oh, I was yeah. just sitting there going, who, like some poor police officer is going to come across a field full of dead ninjas and be like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the hell is this? What is this? But it was weird too, because like they roll in on their motorbikes and they surround them and then they run off. And it's just like, um, they made no, first of all, they make no attempt to get away from the ninjas. Like there's like, 30 of them on their bikes. No, and, and, and the first thing you hear is like, hey, ninjas. Like, as if it's used to seeing ninjas <laughs> roll yeah, up. Of course. <laughs> well, they fought them several times. 30 ninjas. But it, but it was, and then it was just like the running. And then it, I was looking at going, well, there are far too few ninjas now because with the number of bikes and you go, oh, well, there's only like, I guess they're only attacking them three at a time and everybody else is just hanging back in the woods. <laughs> And then finally, when when John goes berserker rage, suddenly they all start coming out of the woodwork, and it's just like, I, did they all get lost chasing them into the foliage or something? Because it, it it just didn't seem like there were enough ninjas at first. And then when the killing had to start, then all of a sudden they started coming in waves. But my favorite part has to be when that one surviving ninja crawls back. <laughs> oh yeah. To Yoshito, and he goes, ah, "They're all dead." <laughs> Yeah, that that beheading scene, I think, is probably top 10 for me in yeah. terms of beheading scene. Like, just the, the ridiculousness of it, but the ferocity and, like, the the, the stump, just that, how it stayed on the stump. Um, man, it, it beats, you know, uh, Jason Voorhees' mom getting her head cut off. It beats a lot of the beheadings in in Highlander. Like that was just one of the most ridiculous beheadings because he cuts it, but then you notice the stump is all jagged. Oh yeah, it looks like his head got ripped off instead of sliced off. Yeah. So you have this. Ja- There's no. It's, not, it's even, not. It's not a clean cut. No, and it's not even the head, neck. It's like it looks like somebody's arm. Like they got this fake arm that was all gnarly, and then they put a hose in it to pump up blood, and like so it, it looked so. There was such a disconnect with that, like on every level. The moment that's a close second to that, that's right around the same sequence, is when where they go to one of their many slow-mo shots, but it's the one where the blood's splattering on um, John. John's no. face. But then, it, but it's like, 
but then it sticks around. It just keeps on holding for a second splatter. And you're like, oh, first of all, never go to slow-mo for a splatter shot. It just reveals the effect. But secondly, you held for a second one? Did you you had nothing yes, else yes. to cut to? That they only shot is, one take. It's true. It was the first take. Because they could not. Once they had they, they didn't have they, time. They, to, they were out of fake blood. Well, and also to do a reset, once they had his like, I just ate somebody blood and then it's throwing down his face. <laughs> Wait, when did he clean himself up at the hospital? You know, oh, right. the fact, and the fact that Jim rolls out in a wheelchair, he's he just rolls out like he just had like tonsillitis. <laughs> yeah, he's fine. And nobody cares about Jim's back. No. Like it's it's he's got like a pretty substantial wound on his back, but I guess his anger healed it. But it, it was also like when uh, was it, uh, uh, the guy that they get kidnapped, uh, Tom, like when they throw him down, he's got like huge friggin' scratch marks down his chest. And he's so like weird. this big black eye and stuff. And at the end, there's not like there's not a mark on him the next day. Fine. Rock and roll makes you heal quickly. Yes. Yeah. It was that it was that killer riff that he wrote for Jim. That's that brought him back to life. Oh my god! There's a scene with him when he is. I'm gonna say acting with quotation marks, where Ephraim was like, "I think the lines are written on the camera lens." No, like, no, 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 post-it notes. <laughs> post-it notes. <laughs> like he's just like, there's no like, in, like it's like he didn't know what word was gonna follow every word he was saying. <laughs> there's, just, there's no inflection path or plan going on. Oh my God, just teleprompter fear. You just turn your brain off and read whatever is put in front of you. Yeah. Right. I don't know if I've laughed so hard watching a movie, but also just like my jaw dropped so many times from just, sure. Yeah. Of course, this is what happens next. You got disgusted by all the kills. Well, it was just like, now it's just flat out murder. Like, none of these people are good guys anymore. I, I'm, there's no one here to root for. <laughs> Except for Jim. Jim, I guess. Yeah. Jim was probably, Jim was clearly, Jim was the emotional core. Guys, I'm going to shower first yeah that was that weird moment <laughs> you know what though that scene too where like it's like there it's mail call and like the guy's like oh it's so cold out it's like why don't you put a shirt on and if you watch it you know where he's going this is junk mail junk mail junk mail uh and he hands it all he hands it all to jim anyways but yk kim has a, a handful of grapes and he does the backhand where he shoves grapes into uh uh one of the guys, one of his roommates' mouths. Then you, wa- if you watch him, there's another guy sits down and he he does the same thing. He shoves another handful of grapes into his mouth. He goes up to John and John's like, oh, like, I don't want your balls in my face, type thing, right? It's a, it's a, such a weird moment. It's like, what are you doing? But again, it's like that whole, I love you so much, I'm gonna feed you, and so you need to eat these, and you gotta eat the rest of these. And it's just this, I don't know what that scene was about. Like there was no other, there was um, nothing in the mail really that was that pressing. It was just them sh- showing them. And then, again, that followed the the whole Mark walks around at night to make sure everyone's okay. And he, you know, he, he kind of lovingly chastises John. And it's like, you know, you have to look after your health. You shouldn't stay up too late studying. And John's only response is, yeah, well, it's got to get done. <laughs> I, I think... I think I would pay like a significant amount of money to listen to a commentary track by YK Kim oh, about, yeah. but the insights into this movie. Yeah. This uh, is why I wanted to do that. 
I, I just, I would love to get his take on like that kind of stuff. It's like, what were you going for here? I'd like, sell anything. Yeah. I'm just curious what the plan was here. Uh, Cause I think there's definitely like, there's definitely a spine going on of the movie, but there are so many of those scenes where you're just like, were you just like, you were done the other scenes early today and you still had like a thousand feet of film. So you just like said, what the fuck, why not? And, and we had grapes left from craft <laughs> services. So we're like, let's, I got an idea. Everyone, let's go do. Uh, I, I honestly think that's they had whatever lines they had, and everyone else was free to improvise, whatever. So it's like, hey, we're a bunch of orphans who've been living together for a long time, even though we're just finding out a ton of stuff about each other, even though we've been together for so long. Like that whole thing about like, oh, I didn't know you were from Israel. Oh, I didn't know you had a father. Like that, this whole weird sort of thing where it was just like. Where they start planning their world tour of all yeah. these different countries where I'm like, who is funding this tour? <laughs> and also, can, yeah, that's fair. He was going to fund the tour. But who, and who's yeah. going to be there to listen to you? You do not have a, a worldwide following. Come on now. <laughs> hey, look, they're the new sound. It's the new sound that's sweeping Miami. Uh, I mean, Orlando. <laughs> the the, the Twaikondo rock. <laughs> what, pop? Rock pop? Like, what was it? Synth? There was some... Like Christian guys trying to play music. Synth rock. Synth rock. Synth rock. Twycon synth rock. Yeah. Well, I mean, even though the the second song was like something fighting ninjas or something. Fight the ninja. I mean, they were basically making up songs based on their experiences. Right. So uh, I don't know, man. It's, It's just. We could just keep talking about yeah. this on and on and on. I, I, I'll ask you one last question about the band, Paul. Yeah. What came first? The music or the Taekwondo? <laughs> There's no way both happened at the same time. One of them, and then they're like, hey, we should get into this other thing. Which was right. first? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh. Well, they're all black belts. Fair. They're all no, black belts. Like, that one guy. Yeah, one guy had a red belt. Oh, did he? John okay. had a red belt. Oh, John had a red belt? And then he started eating people. A black belt. Like John, who had the tall John who went nuts at the end, who had like. <laughs> I mean, they all reference that they're all black belts, but when they're on stage, they're wearing red belts. But that could have been just part of their look. I think that might have been just. Well, you know what? Black under lights changes color. Huh? Right? Like, that's <laughs> oh, fair enough. Weed, so I'm. I'm thinking they were all black belts, and because they had a they had a, a blue light or something, it looked more red on stage under the lights. I feel like they were already in a band, and then Mark came along and joined them, and then Mark taught them, <laughs> and Mark trained them all to be black belts, and gave <laughs> just them gave just them and black gave them black belts, belts even though right. they might not have earned them properly. <laughs> Congratulations, you're a black belt. <laughs> hey, if you let me be part of the band, I'll give you a black belt. You know, just just give me a guitar. I'll pretend it'll be fine. It doesn't even have to be yeah. plugged in. Yeah, don't even plug it in. I'll just, I'm just going to wail on stage. Just then, let me... Some of the continuity, too. Like, during that, it's like, just at one point, he's got the guitar. At the next, he's doing kicks. And he doesn't have the guitar. <laughs> but like, right away, he's got the guitar back. Yeah, I just um, love how much they love... Like, they must have just loved these songs because the length that they let those sequences go on, it's like, oh, like... Wow. Like you just, you're really proud of what you did here. So good for you. Good for I, you I for. Think, I think that's the style of the eighties though. 
I mean, if you look at Transformers, the movie, for example, like some of those songs, I mean, if they had a band, they would have like, they, you, you heard the whole song. You didn't hear just snippets of it. Right. Like, so you heard, like, you've got the touch. You heard every single beat, yeah, every single note. Exactly. Right. So I think I'm thinking that's kind of the eighties because it was the advent too of like music video, um, you know, that kind but of there's music. Also- the, the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai has those like really long band scenes too, right? Uh, mostly of the opening. That the opening of Buckaroo Banzai is uh, spe- spectacular. In uh, yeah, uh, I think there are a lot of influences. I think they watched a lot of movies in the eighties and were like, "We can do that, and we can do it better." Of course, of course. the confidence they that they, yeah. But he had, um, yeah. So, so, uh, Ephraim, what are your final? You stuck around the whole time because yeah, it was hard to kick you out. It's like just the movie. <laughs> what, what were your final thoughts? Um, like, I'm gonna show my friends. <laughs> Ephraim's gonna turn yeah. this into a watch party, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, I gotta, mean, and that's, that's sorry. You no, know, I was gonna say we gotta track down the Blu ray. <laughs> There's no way this is on Blu-ray. Like the film was just... Uh, yeah. Oh, it, it is. is. Of yes. course it is. Yes, it is. Uh, my buddy Brandon has a special edition of it. And he's got the... the Wait, Dragon there's Sound. multiple versions that there's a special edition? That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I think the special edition is the only edition. Okay, fair enough. Right. <laughs> so you just call it a special edition because it got made. It's like that one but, special uh, child. This, oh, this is like legit a cult classic yeah. smash um, and I, I love that Ephraim, you you want to uh, share it with your friends because that's oh, yeah. that's how these movies become these cult classics. It's like you watch and you go, "Oh, I gotta share this. It is it, this is so ridiculous. It's awesome." And that's how it goes. Like I want to show I want to show my kids this movie too, right? <laughs> I want to be there and watch it with them. Well, that's the you want to. That's the whole fun of it. You get to watch with somebody else. For the yeah. first time, and then looking at you like, "What is this?" And like, keep going. <laughs> it hasn't even gotten weird yet. <laughs> yeah, because the beginning is like it looks like a legit like okay ninjas stealing cocaine movies, and you think okay this is because it looks good like the production value. I mean, some of it's a bit uh, like the scooping of the coke and stuff, but it's just like you forgive that. It's like okay. Um, but my, my, you know what? The thing that sticks out to me too is just like, you know, they had some of the guards and they have a whole lineup of them. And the one guy, like he's clearly just carrying a pole. It's not a gun. He's got like a big pole. Um, and, but one of the guys who's got the Mac 10, he's got a set. He's wearing, he's wearing the blue satin baseball jacket and he's got blue jeans on, but he's got a key ring that is like hanging off a carabiner off his belt. And I was like, Oh, that's an interesting choice. And it's like, well, it's not a choice. That's him. Like, that is definitely just this guy. Nobody curated and said, this guy's going to have a key ring. Put that on. It's him, right? And so it's like, I remember looking at that going, oh, and he's one of the guys that he does a roll to get out of the way, shoots his gun, but he's, at the end, he gets, he gets garroted where somebody, where a ninja comes out of the shadows and drags him back. And there's no... He doesn't reach for it. He obviously knows he's going to get choked. So he just yeah. sort of goes back like this, right? So that, that's most of the moves in this movie where you're like that. Everyone knows what's coming next. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's safe at least. This is so much fun. I had so much fun watching this. 
and both awesome. watching it with with just Ephraim. I it was like I kept on saying Ephraim. I was like, oh god, I wish we were with Paul right now. I wish I know we were gonna have fun after, but I'm like, oh, I would love to sit there with you while we were watching this. It's, <laughs> it's so much fun. Yeah, this is a movie you need to watch in a group. Yeah, so much fun. So, uh, right, well, thank you for introducing this. Um, <laughs> this was this was very perfect and ideal, and I'm glad you got to share it, Ephraim, because uh, this would be the gi- the gift that keeps on giving for you. <laughs> yes, spread spread the word, Ephraim. Spread the word. Uh, well, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me, as always. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for Miami Connection. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.